A new poll says that President Trump will lose to every major Democrat running for president, even Cory Booker. Does that mean that Trump's reelection chances are doomed? We will take a look back on some of our favorite polls and election predictions from 2016. Then, Democrats' Watergate testimony flops in Congress, and a jury orders an American university to shell out $11 million to a bakery that it wrongly smeared. We will analyze the high price of social justice. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. You are not going to believe the latest polls. I mean that very literally. You are not going to believe them because they are absolutely ridiculous. But we will take a look first. Support for The Michael Knowles Show comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Finding the right house is not easy. You are telling me. I wander around LA. I look at all these nice houses and everything. Either there's $7 zillion or there's something wrong with them or it's hard to get financing or it's hard to do this or do that. Finding the right mortgage can be very difficult. But Rocket Mortgage is doing more to help you understand the home buying process so you can get exactly what you need. Because it's not just a mortgage, it's your mortgage. And they have found a better way. Their team of mortgage experts is obsessed with finding a better way, which means that their number one goal is to make the home buying process smoother for you. You know, if you've ever even looked at homes, you know how difficult this can be. Rocket Mortgage is there with award-winning client service and support every step of the way. Quicken Loans has helped millions of Americans achieve their dreams of home ownership. And when you are ready to purchase the home of your dreams, they can help you too. When you work with them, you get more than just a loan because Rocket Mortgage is more than just a lender. Get started online right now at rocketmortgage.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Push button, get mortgage. A shock poll out just today from Quinnipiac University. This is not a poll of who's winning the 2020 Democrat primary contest. This is a poll that shows head to head how people would vote when someone gets the nomination and they run against President Trump. So the poll shows that Joe Biden beats Donald Trump 53 to 40. I don't know where that other 7% goes. Maybe it goes to like Bill Weld or somebody. Maybe Ron Paul is going to run again. I don't know. 53 to 40. Bad news for Trump, huh? Shows that Bernie Sanders in, in second here is going to beat Donald Trump 51 to 42. Still totally decisive. Now, maybe this is plausible. I mean, those two guys have been running at the top of the pack for a long time in the Democrat race. Okay. Then it shows Kamala Harris beats Donald Trump 49 to 41. Not sure I'm buying that. Liz Warren beats Donald Trump 49 to 42. Pete Buttigieg, 47, beats Donald Trump 42. Even at this point, I'm thinking, I guess maybe this is plausible. I guess, may, I don't know what the polls say. And then I just stopped believing it at all because this poll shows that Cory Booker beats Donald Trump 47 to 42. That is not possible. Cory Booker is never going to be president. He is most certainly never going to run against Donald Trump and he's never going to beat Donald Trump. This is pretty wacky, but it, it reminds us of an important truth about these polls and these predictions and, and everything the experts are telling us now, which is that it's not reliable. This is not reliable yet. 
Don't forget, in 2016, I was reminded of one of my favorite stories. This was being reported from the Huffington Post, from the Independent, all over the mainstream media, and it was based on a study that came out of Princeton. Princeton's an Ivy League university, so surely those experts know what they're talking about. The headline read in the Independent, survey finds Hillary Clinton has, quote, more than 99% chance of winning election over Donald Trump. The Princeton Election Consortium found Ms. Clinton has a projected 312 electoral votes across the country and only 270 are needed to win. The probability statistic was found by the university's statistical Bayesian model. Ooh, gosh, Bayesian, that sounds serious. Other polls were less bullish on a Clinton victory. 538 said the likelihood of Ms. Clinton that winning was 65%, while the New York Times upshot said there was an 85% chance. Okay, the, the polls show between 65 to 99% chance that Hillary Clinton wins. What happened? That's that 1% turned out to be correct. Huffington Post reported another similar story. They said, HuffPost forecasts Hillary Clinton will win with 332 electoral votes. Democrats stand a strong chance of taking control of the Senate as well. How did that turn out? Had the Democrats, Democrats still don't have the Senate. The Huffington Post presidential forecast model gives Democrat Hillary Clinton a 98.2% chance of winning the presidency. See, they were a little more conservative. They didn't say 99%. They uh, reduced that number by 0.8%. Republican Donald Trump has essentially no path to an electoral college victory. So the uh, Princeton version said that Hillary would get 312 electoral votes to 270. Huffington Post said that Hillary would get 323 electoral votes. What happened in reality? Donald Trump won 304 electoral votes. Hillary only got 227. The idea that Cory Booker is going to beat Donald Trump is ridiculous. It is absurd on its face. Frankly, even the idea that Joe Biden is going to beat uh, Donald Trump is crazy. And, and Joe Biden is far and away the front runner right now. But does anyone actually think he's likely to win the presidency? I'm not saying he can't win. He could win. Does anyone think Joe Biden is likely to win? This guy was chased out in 1988 for lies and plagiarism. He lost in 2008 because he was a weak candidate. Now he's being accused of plagiarism again. He's, he, was, he obviously plagiarized his climate change platform from other left-wing environmental groups. Actually, just this week, he is plagiarizing Michael Avenatti on a theme campaign motto for his campaign. He is now saying that we don't need to make America great again. We need to make America, America again. Look, I don't think it's naive. I don't think it's old fashioned uh, way of doing things that uh, says the system has to be restored. You know, to, uh, I think it's time to, uh, you know, he says, let's make America great again. Let's make America, America again. Okay, wow. This is not a great slogan, by the way, because it's just reacting to Donald Trump. It's reacting to Trump's slogan, make America great again. So Trump is still in the stronger position here. Joe is just setting himself up as someone attacking Donald Trump instead of offering something himself. But then we found out, apparently he cribbed that line from Michael Avenatti, the disgraced lawyer who pimped out Stormy Daniels and apparently didn't pay her very much. So 
he steals this line from Avenatti. Avenatti goes on Twitter and says, you took my line. I thought of it first. Actually, it turns out that both of them stole the line from Scott Bayo, who was endorsing Donald Trump at the 2016 Republican National Convention. So of course, let's make America great again, but let's make America, America again. You got it. Good job, Scott. So what this means for 2020 is that the Democrats' best chance, their top candidate, their far and away front runner, is a guy who's parroting Michael Avenatti, parroting Scott Baio. That's the best they've got. But the polls say it's all over. Biden's got it. Everyone's got it. Every Democrat will win, but Biden especially will win. That's the experts. That's the scientists. I'm, I'm going to make a prediction now. It won't matter if and when these predictions are incorrect. It won't change anything. The left won't stop making these predictions. The people who bought them won't stop uh, believing the people who made them. The left never has to apologize for wrong predictions. A perfect example of this came out just the other day from ABC News. I don't know who dredged it up. It was probably Media Research Center, somebody like that. They dug up this clip from 2008, so 11 years ago, of ABC News predicting the end of the world if we don't get serious about global warming. A hundred years from now, if New York is abandoned, I picture some explorer coming to Manhattan saying, those ignorant people, how on earth could they have ever expected to, to survive? We're running out of oil, we're running out of water, we're running out of atmosphere, we're poisoning the whole planet. We have a chance to get it right. We have a chance to move in the right direction now. I don't think that window of opportunity is going to be open very long. One can hope that suddenly society will realize that it's on a doomsday path and change very rapidly. June 8th, 2015. One carton of milk is $12.99. Gas has reached over $9 a gallon. I, I'm scared as hell right now, but I have to get this out. If we continue on the business as usual trajectory, there will be a tipping point that we cannot avert. We will indeed drive the car over the cliff. So this is the tipping point. We're not going to be able to afford milk. We're not going to be able to afford gas. It's all going to be over. Gas is going to be uh, $11 a gallon, something like that. You know what gas actually cost in 2015? They were projecting this seven years out. Cost $2.40 a gallon. It cost 81.5% less than they predicted it would. How about gallon of milk? Gallon of milk was supposed to cost $9 a gallon in 2015. Well, we have the numbers. We've lived past 2015. In 2015, a gallon of milk in the United States cost on average $3.31 a gallon. That's 63% cheaper than was predicted. Does ABC News have to run a big retraction? Do, they, do the people who appeared in that video have to say, oh, we were wrong? No. What happens now is the left says, oh, they, yeah, that was crazy. They didn't know what they were talking about. But global warming is still super duper serious. Yeah, they're, they're, that's... Those people, okay, they're wrong, but the people who are making the same predictions today, they're right. Those people in the video, they weren't scientists. They're not serious people. Actually, they were. They were some of the leading scientists and scientific policymakers in the country. We'll get to that in a second. But first, 
I have got to tell you about an absolutely incredible new product that I just got. I gave it to my stepbrother for his wedding. My stepbrother recently got married. And so I have this new sponsor, paintyourlife.com. And Paint Your Life, what they do is you upload a photo that you like of you or your family or a friend or something, and they will create a painting of that photo. And it can be watercolor, it can be oil, it can be whatever kind you want. I did an oil painting. It was a photo from my stepbrother's wedding. And I thought, I don't know, this is some online service. We'll see how it looks. I'm not, I'm not expecting that much. Paintyourlife.com then takes this photo that you sent them. They make an actual painting done by hand by a world-class artist just created from your favorite photo. So they send you a proof. They kind of work with you along the way. If you don't like how it is, then you can send them feedback. You can check out every single detail until it's perfect. No risk at all. They then shipped this painting. I just saw it. It is absolutely incredible. I am now going to use this for many of my other friends. It is an incredible product, and you'd think it would be super duper expensive. It is not. It makes a truly special gift for someone you love or for yourself. I'm going to try to upload a video of, uh, of my stepbrother and his wife seeing this. Just an, an amazing product. It is so cool. Right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 30% off your painting. And they're not that expensive to begin with. Now you get 30% off. Do this. It's an, it's an incredible product. Get it for yourself, get it for your family, or get it for a friend and give it out as a gift. Free shipping. There's no risk. If you don't like the painting, if you reject it, you'll get a refund. It, it is no risk unbelievably cool. Get it while you can, especially with this offer. The way to get this offer, do it right now, is to text Knowles to 484848. That's K-N-O-W-L-E-S to 484848. K-N-O-W-L-E-S 484848. Message and data rates may apply. Super duper cool product. So that video about how climate change is going to destroy the world and gas is going to be $11 and milk is going to be $9. Who was predicting all that stuff? Was it just some wacko? No. Well, yes, but it so happens that these are expert, totally established people. One of those guys was John Holdren. John Holdren was Barack Obama's top science advisor in the White House. He was the director of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. He was the co-chairman of the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology. This guy was top of the heap for science policy. Also, the Teresa and John Hines Professor of Environmental Policy at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. Again, I don't, just because someone works at Harvard doesn't mean I take them seriously, especially if they're the Teresa and John Hines Professor. Teresa Hines, you will remember, is the wife of John Kerry, the former uh, losing Democrat presidential nominee. But this guy has all the credentials. He's the scientist. He's a real scientist. He's the real policymaker, top policymaker at the White House. And yet he was so completely dead wrong. He appeared in a, a news documentary that was just completely ridiculous. So what is going on? The purpose of these predictions is not to warn you. It's not to predict what's actually going to happen. It is to create a panic and then get us socialism by the back door. This sounds almost conspiratorial. If, if I didn't have the video, I, I guess you wouldn't have to believe me. But it just keeps happening. All the predictions from the late 60s to the 70s to the 80s. The whole world is going to end in 10 years if you don't give us socialism. And then what happens? 10 years goes by and the world doesn't end and everything's perfectly fine and the predictions are all wrong. And they tell us, no, but it's really going to end in 10 years if you don't give us socialism. It's all about taking control of your property, of your liberty, of your government. 
It is about, coincidentally, they say, this, this environmental catastrophe that's going to destroy the world, just coincidentally, requires that you have to give the political left every single policy they've wanted for 100 years. That's the only way to solve it and save the world. And this is why, just a little bit of a side note, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal that came out today said some Republican lawmakers break with their party on climate change. So the GOP has not taken climate change or global warming or global cooling or whatever you want to call it today very seriously because they have understood, as I've just explained, that it is socialism by the back door. Now some younger Republicans want to be super hip cool guys or something and say that we have to take global warming seriously. We don't. This is especially true of Matt Gates. He's a Republican lawmaker. I actually like the guy. I think generally he's pretty good. He's just dead wrong on this. Matt Gates was the one who a couple months ago offered the green real deal and he was going to have the Republican response to take on global warming. It's just a bad move. This is not to say that Republicans shouldn't take the environment seriously. Of course we should protect the environment. Every Republican I know wants to protect the environment, conserve the environment, have beautiful public spaces. Having beautiful spaces and preserving nature is a very conservative virtue. Conservatives conserve, but that's not the same thing as global warming. That's a very different thing than global warming because global warming is not about environmental protection. It's just about socialism. The purpose of these predictions, whether it's this guy from the Obama administration or it's AOC saying the world is going to end in nine or 10 years, just give us all your money. The purpose of it is to demoralize people. The purpose of it is to convince people that everything is predetermined. It's no coincidence that right now so much of the left is denying free will. You see it in Sam Harris. You see it in the New Atheists. You see it in a ton of left-wing Silicon Valley, it's in the pop culture, we're being told our free will is an illusion. Really, we're just drawn by unconscious forces. Our emotion is leading us. It's anything but will. The left has always done this. This is nothing new. This is not some cool new futuristic idea out of Silicon Valley. The left has said this forever. The early socialists and communists 100 and 150 years ago, they said that they had discovered the science of history. They used this phrase the science of history. This is the famous reporter Lincoln Steffens who visited the Soviet Union. He famously said, I've seen the future and it works. There's the future. History is not moved by the individual choices of, of individuals. It's moved by great environmental, economic forces that we cannot control. We're just brought along on the tides of history. And actually, the modern conservative movement in the United States after World War II, founded by William F. Buckley Jr., was set up exactly in opposition to this idea. So you had Lincoln Steffen saying, I've seen the future and it works. The socialists saying, this is the future. This is the science of history. Get ready. Get on board. And then you have the conservative William F. Buckley Jr., who said in the first issue of National Review, he said, a conservative is one who stands athwart history yelling, stop. Oh, you socialists and communists, you think you have the science of history? You think there's no stopping it? I'm a conservative and I'm going to stand here and I am going to say, stop. And that's what we're doing. We're saying, no, will does matter. Your predictions don't come true. You don't know the science of history. You don't know the future. Your predictions are bogus and you're not going to use those crazy fear-mongering predictions to get us to give up our liberty and our property and our freedom. 
when left-wing schemes go wrong, they never have to apologize. 99% Hillary is going to win. Cory Booker is going to beat Donald Trump. Gas is going to be $11 a gallon. All the, everything's going to happen. What happens when it doesn't come true? They move on to the next prediction. Almost never do they have to apologize. But I say almost because there is one excellent story out of Ohio in which the left had to apologize for their aggression, their overreaction, their social justice, their, all of their actions recently. This is a terrific story out of Oberlin College, which I'll get to in a second. But first, if you don't know your numbers, then you don't know your business. The problem that growing businesses have and that often keeps them from knowing their numbers is they just have a ton of different business systems. So they have one system for accounting, they have another one for sales, they have another one for inventory, they have all these different systems and they don't talk to each other and they can't keep track of it and it just hurts your business. It's a big inefficient mess and it takes up a lot of time and you know this, if you've ever worked at a small business, started a business, time is money. Time is resources. That hurts the bottom line. This brings us to NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business. In an easy-to-use cloud platform, it gives you the visibility and control that you need to grow. This is one of these things I think people overlook if they're just a little lazy or they're kind of stuck in their old ways and it's really hampering their growth, but they just don't want to have to deal with it. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finances, and accounting, orders, HR, instantly, right from your desktop or phone. Just do it. Don't be lazy. Don't get stuck in your old ways that are costing you money. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That's netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Rarely does the left have to apologize when it gets things wrong, but today we have one of those rare examples. An Ohio jury is ordering Oberlin College to pay $11 million to a bakery that it libeled as racist and racially profiling and bigoted. This is Gibson's Bakery and Market just outside the school. Uh, a couple years ago now, a student, Jonathan Aladdin, was accused of attempted robbery for, for allegedly trying to, quote, steal wine or otherwise illegally obtain wine from the bakery. He was there with two of his buddies. They were uh, arrested and accused of misdemeanor assault. Okay, no big deal. College kids all the time tr either try to buy booze illegally or maybe they try to lift it afterward. This became a big deal because the Oberlin College staff decided to get super social justice -y about it. And this includes not just low-level staff members. This is deans and professors. And they gathered together a bunch of students, and they had massive demonstrations in front of this bakery, calling them racists, calling them bigoted. The vice president and dean of students, Meredith Raimondo, and other college staff members handed out hundreds and hundreds of copies of a flyer that said, don't buy, all capital letters. This is a racist establishment with a long account of racial profiling and discrimination. And then this dean of students l listed a number of competitors to the bakery that students could shop at. 
Obviously, this cost the bakery a ton of business, and the bakery sued. Now, why did they sue? Because three months after all this happened, in August of 2017, that student, Aladdin and Andy Lawrence, another student, pled guilty to attempted theft and aggravated trespass, according to court documents. They pled guilty to the crime that the bakery accused them of. This is what the student wrote, quote, this unfortunate incident was triggered by an attempt to purchase alcohol. I believe the employees of Gibson's actions were not racially motivated. They were merely trying to prevent an underage sale. It's a student himself that never let the facts get in the way of a good social justice narrative. Instead, not just the students, not just some idiot professors, the dean of students, the administration of Oberlin, decided to try to destroy this business based on lies, based on nothing. Since that story came out, and since the jury in this case forced Oberlin to pay 11 million bucks in damages to that bakery, do you know what Oberlin's university has to say for itself? Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. This is a perfect story. Oberlin College is now going to pay for the cost of social justice. And I, I love it. I think that the way that they should try to recoup this $11 million in losses is by firing the administrator who caused it and other administrators as well. So much of the problem at our colleges right now is administrative bloat. You have deans and deputy deans and deputy assistant deans of diversity and students and inclusion whose entire job it is to stir up trouble and create problems and, and stir up politics. This is, the, it's the administration that's ginning this sort of thing up. And they provide an awful example for students. They not only miseducate students, they, they indoctrinate them in terrible ideas. And this, this affects the academic front too. They whip up these frenzies. I mean, it's happened to me. I was physically assaulted at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, because I had the audacity to say that men are not women. This happened to a lot of other conservative speakers. And when the students get rowdy, guess what happens? Instead of the administration saying, listen, students, you should hear out other ideas and form your own opinion. What do they say? They say, good, go, we stand with you. It's awful that those, that those conservative speakers came to campus. Huge embarrassment for Oberlin College right now. Symptomatic of a larger embarrassment for all of these American universities. And it shows you this important truth about the left. Ann Coulter actually told me this when I was in college. Keep this in your mind. Know it in all political debates. When the left calls you racist, you know you've won the argument. We will explain and examine a key aspect of this from the 2020 race. Plus, we've got to get to Joe Biden's big flip-flop and the Democrats' Watergate flop. But first, coming up tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, tune in to our next episode of Daily Wire Backstage. Daily Wire God King, Jeremy Boring, Little Old Me, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, and this week's special guest, Dave Rubin will be sipping whiskey, smoking stogies, and figuring out how to not have all of our shows taken off the air, which is a daily threat that we are now getting from YouTube and other platforms. As always, only Daily Wire subscribers get to ask the questions, so be sure to subscribe right this minute. Why else should you subscribe? You get me, you get The Andrew Clavin Show, you get The Ben Shapiro Show, you get The Matt Walsh Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, you get Another Kingdom, you get to ask questions backstage, you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. Mm. Oh, that's good. That sounds like a, that, that tastes like the 2016 polls. 
you know, you've got to age them. Sometimes leftist tears taste better with a little bit of age. So you age them for about three years and those polls that show, mm, Hillary has a 99% chance of winning. Mm, that's good. Mm, Hillary's going to get 323 electoral votes. Mm, that's good. Mm, it's like a little, it's a little indulgence because none of it happened. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. When the left calls you racist, you know that you've won the argument. Kirsten Gillibrand is the latest Democrat to expose this eternal truth. So Kirsten Gillibrand, who's polling at like negative 3% right now, she is the most extreme Democrat candidate on the question of abortion. She's trying to stake out this ground for herself. And she can't defend her ideas. She can't defend her defensive or her, her support for abortion up until the moment of birth. So she's resorting to the left's old strategy of calling anyone who opposes her racist. Here she is. Uh, and I think it's, it's wrong to deny women basic reproductive freedom and basic human rights. You've said you're worried about judicial independence, but imposing a litmus test on your nominees yeah. has long been seen as right. uh, an encroachment on judicial independence. Right. Um, I mean, are, are you doing... I think there's some issues that are, have such moral clarity that we have as a society decided that the other side is not acceptable. Imagine saying um, that it's okay to appoint a judge who's racist or anti-Semitic or homophobic. Um, telling, uh, asking someone to appoint someone who takes away basic human rights of any group of people in America. I, I think that we are, we've, we've, I, I don't think those are political issues anymore. And we believe in this country in the separation of church and state. And I respect the rights of, of every American to hold their religious beliefs true to themselves. But our country and our constitution has always demanded that we have a separation of church and state. And all these efforts by President Trump and other ultra-radical conservative judges and justices to impose their faith on Americans is contrary to our constitution. And that, that's what this is. And so I believe that for all of these issues, um, they are not issues that there is a fair other side. There is no moral equivalency when you come to racism. And I do not believe there's a moral equivalency when it comes to changing laws that deny women reproductive freedom. So that's a big old word salad until she gets to the end point, which is she says, if you oppose killing a baby at the moment of birth, you're basically just like a racist and that view should be kicked out of society. She starts out and she says, I believe in religious freedom. You say, well, first of all, no, you, you don't. I, I bet she doesn't believe in religious freedom for the baker who wants to not participate in events that that go against his religion. She probably doesn't support that so much. But she says, I believe in religious freedom and, and we don't have, we have a separation of church and state. And so abortion's just a question of religion. First of all, it's not a question of religion. It's a question of what is a baby? Is the baby a baby? If the baby's not a baby, is it some other kind of animal? If the baby's not a baby, is it not alive? We know it's alive. We know it's human. We know it's an individual. So it's a baby. But but that's a scientific question. She wants to pretend it's a religious one. Then she says, Donald Trump is trying to force his faith on Americans. Does anybody really believe that Donald Trump is some devout Christian going to church every Sunday and praying all the time? And I, I don't think so. I think he's a lapsed Presbyterian probably. I think no one ever said that Donald Trump was some Christian zealot 
before he was the president. Most people don't say it now because it's, it's crazy. Then she lands on her actual answer, which is some ideas should be totally prohibited from public discussion. That's what she's saying. She's saying the pro-life argument, any pro-life argument, to say you shouldn't kill a baby the day before it's born, should be banned from public discussion. It is equivalent to saying that black people are less than white people, that they should be excluded from society. To support not killing a baby, even at the moment of birth, is the same as being a racist. And if you support that, then you're a racist. This is a very bad idea. 94% of Americans oppose late-term abortion. 94%. Kirsten Gillibrand and other Democrats have now staked out a position for themselves that 94% of Americans oppose. In fact, I think the 6% who don't oppose it are basically just all the Democrat candidates for president. 6% of Americans support her position. Worse than that, she is now accusing 94% of Americans of basically being racists of, or of holding a view that is the equivalent of racism and that is unacceptable and that nobody should be allowed to hold in America, the view that a baby who's about to be born shouldn't be killed. That's the view. This is an extremism that is not going to serve them well in the general election. It's part of a broader abortion extremism that we're seeing among Democrat candidates. Joe Biden is now showing this. Joe Biden used to be the moderate candidate. He was trying to stake out his position as the moderate. Now he's flip-flopping on the Hyde Amendment. And the Hyde Amendment is an old law which prohibits taxpayer funding for abortion. Or that's what it says it does. It actually doesn't do that. In America, we give Planned Parenthood over half a billion dollars a year. And the way that we say that it's not violating the Hyde Amendment is that we say that money is only going toward the non-abortion services. So you can't use any of the taxpayer money for the abortion services at the abortion clinic. You can only use it to pay the electricity bill or to keep the lights on or what, to keep the cable subscription or whatever. Obviously money is fungible. So if you give money to an organization and you say, spend that dollar on one product, but not on another, that's meaningless. Money is totally interchangeable. But that's at least the way that Democrats have convinced us that we're not paying for, uh, for abortion services as taxpayers. So Joe Biden supported that measure, at least. He said, okay, at least in name, we can't have taxes go to abortion. Now he's changed his tune. I can't justify leaving millions of women without access to the care they need and the ability to, con to exercise their constitutionally protected right. If I believe health care is a right as I do, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. See his chain of thought? What he said is, if I believe that health care is a right and I also believe that abortion is health care, I mean, that's the new Democrat line. Used to be abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Now, Miley Cyrus licks a cake that says abortion is health care. And I licked a cake that said taxation is theft, which you can see on the internet. But that's a side point. So if you believe those two things, abortion, or rather, health care is a right, which is a meaningless statement. What, is it, what does it mean health care is a right? Health care is a commodity. It costs money. Do you have a right to someone else's property? Do you have a right to someone else's labor? No, it's a meaningless statement, but the Democrats have adopted that one. They started to adopt that in about 2008. And if you believe that abortion is healthcare, which again, obviously it isn't, sure ain't healthcare for the baby that you're killing. If you believe those two things, then you have to logically conclude that abortion is a right 
guaranteed by the government and therefore paid for by the government. You start out with two faulty premises, you're going to get to a faulty conclusion. Garbage in, garbage out, and Joe Biden is spewing that garbage out of his mouth from the campaign trail. And this is alienating a lot of his prospective voters. There are a lot of people who are anti-Trump, never-Trump, moderates, conservatives who hate the president, whatever, who probably could convince themselves to vote for Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been around for a long time. He seems kind of moderate. He seems kind of stable. We all know who he is. I mean, the key constituency here is the McCain family, which is a moderate sort of Republican family that obviously hates Donald Trump largely for personal reasons. And Meghan McCain was on The View and she said that this puts her in a really tough spot because now she doesn't think she can support Joe Biden. The Hyde Amendment was historically a great compromise between pro-choicers and pro-lifers. And if you don't know what it means, it means that uh, it bans federal funding for abortions, except in the case of rape and incest. So the government won't be funding abortions. And um, I think for him, he was for it for 40 years. And to make this flip, and there's um, reports out that said it was Alyssa Milano calling him the actress and him getting pressure from people like that. And for me, everyone knows how much I love Joe Biden as a person. He's, a, he's truly the most decent person running, in, in my opinion. I think flip-flopping on something like this, I actually was surprised by it because he's filling the moderate compromise lane as the candidate, and you're not going to out-progressive progressives. If Democrats want a progressive, they're going to go with Elizabeth Warren, or they're going to end up going with Cory Booker or someone that's so much further to the left. So he's alienating the lane that he that I, I still see as the, the easiest way to beat President Trump, and you're alienating a lot of moderates, and especially for pro-lifers like me. This is, this is kind of a shot fired. So... Meghan McCain saying, I really want to vote for Joe Biden, but this is too far. I can't use my money as a taxpayer to pay for abortions. We're all already doing it, by the way. But she said, I can't, if I lose that fiction, at least, that I'm not, not uh, spending my own money on abortion, I can't vote for you. This is uh, Joe Biden's big problem. He, he's not a politician who stands for something. He's just kind of nothing. He's just there. He was just there in 1988. He was just there in 2008. He's just there now, which is why I don't believe the polls that say that he's going to trounce Donald Trump by 13 points or something like that. It's just flopped. The best laid schemes of Democrats often go awry. One of those happened in Congress uh, just this week. That w they had been promoting this for uh, a couple weeks now. The Democrats in Congress said, we're going to call John Dean, a witness from Watergate, and he's going to testify and tell us how much like Watergate the Trump administration is. This is going to be huge testimony. They were so excited. For those of you, by the way, who don't know who John Dean is, John Dean was a White House counsel for Richard Nixon. He was involved in the Watergate affair. He ended up flipping testifying against Richard Nixon. He's a convicted felon and he's just made a career at this point out of attacking other Republicans. He testified before Congress. It was just a total flop. Here is Republican Matt Gates, who I was actually criticizing a little earlier for his environmental stuff. Here is Matt Gates, really shining, giving an A-plus performance and exposing what a ridiculous sideshow this testimony was. Here we sit today in this hearing with the ghost of Christmas past, because the chairman of the committee has gone to the Speaker of the House and sought permission to open an impeachment inquiry. But she has said no. And so instead of 
opening the impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump, which is what the chairman wants to do and what I presume a majority of Democrats want to do. We're here reopening the impeachment inquiry potentially into Richard Nixon, sort of playing out our own version of that 70s show. And, and what I really regret... It, it is Dean, striking, is Mr. Gates. here as a prop. You it are is. functionally here as a prop because they can't impeach President Trump because 70% of Democrats want something that 60% of Americans don't. A, a total flop. He is being used as a prop, and the testimony was a total flop. It fell flat. You probably didn't even hear about the testimony. And why is that? Because it didn't offer anything new. I mean, since Watergate, this guy, John Dean, has spent most of his time comparing Republican politicians to Richard Nixon. During the George W. Bush era, he published three books on this very accusation. He published one during the Bush era called Worse Than Watergate. Published another one, Conservatives Without Conscience. Published another one, Broken Government, How Republican Rule Destroyed the Legislative, Executive, and Judicial Branches. It seems to me we've heard this song before. His whole career is just, first he was a rat, and then he smeared his, his friends and his former allies, and now just all Republicans. Again, another bad strategy for Democrats. Another reason that I don't believe these polls coming out that say that Democrats are going to trounce Trump. The Mueller thing is over. It's over. Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. It's a cover-up. It was a stolen election. It's over. You lost. You lost. Even if you want to argue about obstruction, which Donald Trump was practically exonerated on obstruction, but even if you want to argue about that, the collusion thing is done. Mueller found no collusion. Rosenstein, Barr, nobody found any collusion. That's over. You lost. And Democrats are not going to win 2020 by relitigating the relitigating of 2016. The Mueller report, the Mueller investigation was trying to relitigate the 2016 presidential election. Now they're trying to relitigate the relitigation. Look ahead, guys. You've got to look to 2020 if you want a chance to win. Not that I care. I don't, I don't care if Democrats win or I don't want them to win. So that's fine. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I do want, I don't want to conclude this without getting to a couple polls that I do sort of believe. We started with those Trump polls. Here are a few primary polls that I think are, are sort of interesting, especially one of these. It's bad news for Beto O'Rourke. New polls put Beto O'Rourke at just 2%. Remember Beto was the new thing. He had the cover of Vanity Fair. That's when I knew that Beto was going to lose, by the way. Vanity Fair does not tend to pick winning candidates. And they had the cover there and Beto said, I was born for this. I was born to be in this race. Well, the new polls say that he wasn't born to be in it. Here's Beto's reaction. Look, um, there is a lot of time before the Iowa caucus. Um, we've never been guided by a poll before. Um, if you were to look at the Texas Senate race uh, the first couple of months after we were in, um, no poll was going to say that we were going to win that. Right. No poll said you were going to win and then you didn't win. So I guess the polls were right. Sorry, Beto. Bad news. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to resurrect his campaign because Pete Buttigieg crawled inside of Beto's body, ripped out his intestines and uh, ate his soul. So there are other bad polls for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has been consistently ranked number one or number two in the Democrat pack. Now he has been overtaken in a new poll by uh, conducted by The Economist and YouGov. And who is beating Sanders as of now? Elizabeth Warren. So Elizabeth Warren has now got 16% of Democrat support, edging out Sanders at just 12%. Why is this? How is it possible that Pocahontas is winning? 
She's unlikable. That's absolutely true. But she's not a hundred years old. Bernie is somewhat likable, but he's just ancient. He's just old news. Elizabeth Warren is also much smarter than Bernie Sanders. I mean, just her on raw IQ, she's just smarter. She's also more mainstream than Bernie Sanders. Bernie has been an independent or a socialist his entire life, except for the brief moments when he identifies as a Democrat to run in their primaries. She's a woman, so in this time of intersectional politics and victim politics, she can claim that. I think that helps. And while she's unlikable, she doesn't seem evil. She just seems annoying. And I think that is enough to help propel her a little bit. I still don't really think she's going anywhere, but really uh, tough news from polls that are uh, probably more likely to be correct. I mean, these are polls that are tracking a very particular thing in a short period of time. The, the first Democrat debates are about to happen. They're just tracking how the Democrats are faring among Democrats. That's very different than trying to take some national poll of some random candidate that no one's ever heard of and put him up nationally against Donald Trump when there hasn't been a primary, there hasn't been anything like a general election. So I think the, the, the left probably should not take too much solace in the general election polls, but they, they probably could be a little bit worried about those primary polls because... Uh, at, at the moment, their front runner is weak. You've got surging candidates, and none of them are terribly likable. That's our show. We've got a lot more to get to, but you'll have to ask it on backstage. Then get your mailbag questions in for tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you then. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Dylan Case. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today, uh, we, you know, Congress wants to give itself a raise, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been at the forefront of this fight, insisting that she needs a raise. Because if she doesn't get a raise, then, then what's going to happen is that congressmen are going to end up being corrupt if they don't get a raise. I want to explain why that argument is insane. And also, I have a different idea about what we might do about congressional pay, uh, which I will share with you. Uh, also, Justin Trudeau, um, there's a video of him babbling nonsensically. And I want to play that for you on the show today, just because it's, I mean, really funny, honestly. And finally, 60% of male managers say that they're uncomfortable with women, working around women in the workplace and working one-on-one -on -one with women. Gee, I wonder why. We'll try to get to the bottom of that mystery today over on The Matt Walsh Show.